Oh man, oh man, not again. Welcome to this back-to-back edition of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We're back for a second day in a row to give you guys a recap on the news from this past weekend and the past week. Um, since we came from Comic-Con this past weekend, and of course, there's plenty of news that happened throughout the week as well. Um, if you guys are interested in wanting to hear our conversation about the Joker, our Joker spoiler review is up. So if you're interested in checking that out and you've seen the Joker, you want to see what we thought about it, we'll have, we have a full review that's up on our SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn page as we speak. Uh, but this show will focus now primarily on what we got out of Comic-Con and some of the news we uh, we followed this past week. So it should be a great show. Um, it's rare we do back-to-back shows like this, but it should make it for a fun ride. So joining me are my co-hosts, starting with Shamari Stewart. Shamari, what was your uh, experience like at Comic-Con? Uh, it was fun, as always. Uh, it's become a yearly tradition for us, so we go every year. Um, so yeah, it was fun. It was awesome seeing all the, di- all the different costumes. Um, uh, and it was really, um, the panels were, were decent this year, though I, they should have spread it out more, um, with regards to the scheduling. So I, I don't know what the deal is with that, but, uh, either way, I got to see some really cool panels this year. I got to see a lot of Star Wars stuff. You can look forward to that discussion on the Imperial broadcast, uh, when we drop that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a good year. It was a, it was a good year, fun year. Um, and I'm looking forward to talking about some of the stuff we saw. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Like, I, I agree that why well, I, I kind of like that they didn't like bombard us with a bunch of Saturday superhero content. So it allowed for us to, you know, for us to do a lot of work in terms of, you know, talking to the people, but also a lot of kind of more enjoy the convention in past years where we were kind of running around from MSG to uh, to, to Javits and or staying at the Javits Center I mean, in the uh, main stage for most of the day. Here, it was a little more spread out in that regard, but the issue was, say, we had overlapping of similar, uh, you know, similar content. So we had a Runaways panel overlapping a Watchmen panel, and that, that was just really unfortunate because, obviously, a lot of people who love comics were going to want to go to both, and you had no chance because one was literally across town and uh, was happening during uh, <laughs> during one of the other panels. So... I agree. They definitely could do a better job of working out the kinks with that. But anyway, joining me also on this show is Kendall as well. Kendall, uh, how was your experience like at Comic Con? Yeah, 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 man. Comic Con was fun. Um, obviously, we saw the Joker while we while we were uh, you know that weekend, but uh, so that obviously enhanced the experience. But um, yeah, man, Comic Con was fun and. Uh, but it was also a good week of just comic book, uh, comic book news in general. Um, so we have plenty to talk about on the show, which uh, should definitely be fun. Absolutely. So let's get right to it, guys. As I said before, uh, this was a big Comic-Con. And Friday, particularly, was a big afternoon at New York Comic-Con as HBO's Watchmen took the main stage for its panel and screening of the pilot. Uh, panelists at the event included executive director and showrunner David uh, Damon Lindelof, uh, EP Nicole Cassell uh, was also there, along with the cast that included Regina King, Jeremy Irons, Gene Smart, Hong Chow, Tim Blake Nelson, and Yaya Abdul-Mateen. Um, we got to see a full uh, episode of that pilot, and the panel discussed in great detail uh, their approach to making this show, which I think uh, it was pretty safe to say that this panel definitely... Um, 
care deeply for this project as each one of the cast members were approached by uh, Lindelof to play a role in it. I think I learned a lot. I thought the as we saw in our YouTube video, which by the way, if you want to see us, you know, on camera do this uh, <laughs> um, recap, we did a recap of it shortly afterwards. That is not on our YouTube channel, Generation Media. So make sure you check that out as well. We have plenty of Comic Con content dropping throughout the week. But and if you found that video and you're listening, welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You may be here now because you watched the video and really enjoyed, or you may have met us at Comic Con. Now this is your first listen to our podcast. Um, if you didn't listen to the Joker podcast, maybe you didn't get to that movie. So once again, as Kendall said, welcome. But, yeah, I thought that that was a, a really awesome panel. I enjoyed how much the uh, the the cast members really um, seemed to care, not just about the project, but also about the source material, which I think with something like The Watchmen that, you know, you have your typical superhero movies and television shows. You had The Flash and Superman and Batman. But I think The Watchmen is almost like even more extra, extra nerdy in a sense like you know if you love the watchman i mean you're a superhero fan to the to the absolute core so i think there's an even bigger importance to appreciate the canon and appreciate the source material than maybe there is for other major projects that are you know in the superhero world so to speak and to hear them uh, talk about how much they they enjoyed uh working on this and how much they wanted to pay homage and, and respect the source material was was a great uh, addition. And the episode we got to see, which um, to, out of respect for uh, HBO, they didn't want anyone to do a review of the episode. We'll respect that as we did in our YouTube video, but we will say in terms of just what we thought about it, it was fantastic. I mean, it was truly uh, a, a, an action-packed, uh, thought-provoking, um, you know, deep show and in a really interesting look on what the world looks like 30 plus years since the events of Watchmen. So it was a fun experience all around. I enjoyed it, Shamar. And I know you're a huge Watchmen fan. What did you make of the panel and the screening we got to see? Um, I thought the panel was great. I thought uh, the episode was great, as you, you uh, said as well. And yeah, I mean, they don't want us to, rev to review the episode. and I mean, I, I feel like we can respect that. I mean, we can review it when it comes out again uh, or when it comes out, I guess, for the officially for the first time. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic. It was not what I expected, um, but it but it still kept the same uh, intensity. I won't go too too in depth with the episode because, like I said, I don't want to re review the episode. But it was it There's was no point in wonderful. Spoiling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it was wonderful. I think uh, people are going to enjoy it. And I think it's gonna I think it's gonna catch a lot of people off guard because it caught me off guard. I think it caught a lot of people watching it off guard. Um, it's very much in your face. Uh, Lindelof is a is a super deep uh, Watchmen fan. I think he made that very clear. Um, uh, to the point where even the artist uh, who worked on Watchmen uh, said that, yeah, this guy's a super fan. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's so it's a really um, uh, it's really seems to be de seems to definitely be in good hands. And uh, yeah, but the panel was awesome. The the cast is all, is is stacked, a lot of talent. Um, so yeah, I have very very high expectations for the show. Yeah, can Ryan mentions the cash, and I, I gotta agree with him. It, it kind of was staggering to see so much 
huge star power on display um, in that cast. You know, I, I, I you know listed all of them. Uh, it, it was pretty remarkable. We see Virginia King, Jeremy King, and Gene Smart, uh, Tim Blake Nelson, all on the same set. Yeah, like you know, you know, and they're working on a project together. That's a TV show. That's not like a you know a movie with a hundred million dollar budget or whatever. You're like, wow, what's what's this? It kind of was staggering, but it, you know, HBO uh, is really the home of top notch television. I think right now. I think if you're looking at, you know, if you're an actor and you want to get in television and you're trying to make your splash, what's the place to go? I don't, I don't know if there's an argument to be made to go to want to be anywhere else, but. Uh, HBO right now. So to see that 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 cast and the talent level um, that's going to be presented in the show, and to see that talent on display in that first episode was truly uh, impressive. Yeah, no, I mean, um, a lot of the a lot of the people on set, you know, like you know Yahya Abdul Mateen, he 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 like echoed that sentiment that you know a lot of the reason a lot of the reason why he. He picked this uh, role, or he, he took this role, was because of an HBO project. Yeah, Louis Gossett Jr., who's also on set and who's in the show, he said, uh, you know, my mama didn't raise no fool. <laughs> and why he elected to work on an yeah. HBO show, he, he said that. Like, I know HBO. <laughs> yeah, he said, it was superheroes and HBO, I say no more, fam, which I which I really enjoyed. Um. But yeah, no, nah, I mean, this was a, uh, this show was certainly impressive. Um, you know, I think, you know, I think we all kind of expected it to be good. Uh, but the trailers really don't tell you anything. So you really don't know exactly what to expect in terms of story and exactly what to expect in terms of tone. I mean, I was one person, I was a person, as I'm sure a lot of people were, that, you know, I watched the trailer and I really didn't know what this movie was about or what this show was about, I should say. You know, I mean, I know it's Watchmen, you know, and I know the original story, but, um, and, you know, you know, it's some level of a sequel, but, um, you, or, but you really don't know what, what the crux or what the issue is in the show, but the first episode, uh, gives you that idea. It tells you, so you'll really, it, it's one of those shows that it certainly has, you know, some sort of some level of an abstract nature to it, you know, kind of it's bizarre, but it's not like Legion where it's hard to understand, like, or it's yeah. hard to follow. Like, yeah. I think it kind of does the same thing that Legion does, but I think it's, it, for me, it's a little more enjoyable, at least the first episode was a little more enjoyable because I never felt confused about what was happening. Um, and that's what Legion, I think a lot of times that's what Legion wants to that's the feeling that they want you to have but um as a viewer you have to you have to really 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 pay attention whereas Watchmen, um it was a little bit more it was a little easier to follow while yet still uh equally kind of mind-bending and you know kind of interesting uh from the viewer perspective so uh i mean i think it's a really good show and again like you guys mentioned the cast was I thought they did an excellent job. There were some characters we haven't seen yet. It should be interesting. So, I mean, I'm I, I'm excited. Uh, I think this is a show that's going to be uberly popular. The question is just going to be how does it, like, what what those initial numbers are going to be. Because people that watch it are not going to, they're, they're going to want to keep watching. You know, they can, if, 
because I don't know if the, how well the the pre promotion has been for that show. You know, like I don't think there like everyone knows about it type thing. But uh, I do know that like again, once people watch it, they're gonna stick with it. Yeah, yeah I mean, H- go ahead, Shan. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, HBO's looking for that next Game of Thrones. That's what they're looking for. They're hoping it can be either Watchmen or they have a new show, His Dark Materials, coming out. Um, uh, McAvoy and Daphne Keene and um, a bunch of other uh, uh, very high-level um, uh, actors. So, I mean, they're they're trying to sh- uh, strike gold with this. Um, I think Lindelof is very talented. He's very experienced. I am, but I'm curious about the same thing, and I'm wondering how the people are going to react uh, to this show is very in your face and it is it, it is hitting controversy right in the face it is jumping deep into the controversy i mean we talk about people getting upset about star wars you know people saying star wars is whatever i mean all this all this other stuff and making all these political jump political leaps and bounds <laughs> from jj from abrams and kathleen kennedy i mean this is jumping right into right into the um uh it's tackling topics that people don't want to talk about or don't usually want to see. Um, uh, and it is it is very in your face about it. So I'm wondering how people are going to react to that. Uh, are people going to are people going to be glued to the screen and tune in every week to that? Are they going to record that on their TVs? Are they going to watch it? Are they going to stream it? You know, um, so it's I'm very curious about that. And I'm curious about how the comic book uh, fan community is going to feel about that as well. Um, because that's, um, now I, I like the subject matter. Now subject matter does deal heavily with regards to race and racial, racial identity politics in America. Mm-hmm. Now that was not present in the, in the first Watchmen or it wasn't, it wasn't, that issue wasn't, um, heavily, uh, um, in the forefront. Uh, yeah. It wasn't in the forefront in the original Watchmen. So. Uh, here it, it is absolutely in the forefront. It's the main issue, um, at least uh, you know, uh, based on I mean the promotional material and what Lindelof has said previously in the press and what um, uh, even some of what we saw in the first episode. It's very much in the forefront. So I'm wondering how I I'd say I'm wondering how people are going to react to that and how people are going to feel about that. Yes, it will be fascinating. Um, the one thing in comparing it to like the old Watchmen when you talk about um, is dive into political commentary it's important to note that the first watchman is a lot of political commentary you know i think i think that for the for the detractors if there are detractors we don't know what the reaction is going to be but for the people who are detractors will say well you know you know do we really need to be seeing this and revisiting this in a comic book show uh my defense of them would be the first watchman deals very heavily with the trying times of the time you know talking about nuclear war and um and nuclear proliferation and uh you know increasingly you know totalitarian states and what the dangers of that could be because of the threat of nuclear war and or rather how how those uh that that could be further uh Implemented because of nuclear war and because of the idea of having superheroes running around um, and, and protecting them. So it's it's not unfamiliar to Watchmen to address 
the issues of the time. They did it in the book in the 80s. I think it may throw people out of surprise because, you know, race is such a um, polarizing topic. It's always been a polarizing topic, but I think perhaps there are a lot of voices who are now being heard a lot more than they have maybe in a long time that have put made the conversation a little more polarizing. Maybe it's been in the past or at least in recent years. So uh, it is curious to see how they're going to tackle it. It is in your face, as Shamari said. If uh, when you watch the first episode, you're going to, from the very beginning, um, you know, Kendall made the point that it's abstract but easy to follow. I think the reason why uh, that is, in comparing it to Legion, is this show doesn't take any time to, like, like explain to you what's happening. Like, they kind of just drop you into whatever they're trying to tell you. And it's kind of your job to kind of catch up. I'd also argue Watchmen kind of does that too. Like Watchmen uh, successfully uses flashbacks um, in the book and in Jack Snyder's movie to, to help with that. Though, or, you know, various different storytelling angles that, you know, um, to, to tell, you know, to fill in the gaps of some things that maybe you don't understand or don't get. This show is, you know, you only saw one episode. So who's to say that they won't do more of that Um Moving on, and to, you, and to be fair, there is, I think, a little bit of that uh, in the first episode, and you'll know what I mean once you actually watch it. But, but that's the difference, I think, is that you know, with, with Legion, like they, you know, they, you know, they don't really, they give you no help. Um, with this one, they also don't give you any help. But I think because it's not super, super abstract, you're still able to follow along. That would be the difference, I think. Um. But yeah, I thought it was a great panel. I'm excited for the show. I think this show, Shamari mentions, you know, whether or not it's going to be, you know, another, uh, what's the word, um, like Game of Thrones, or I even throw in Sopranos and The Wire. I mean, HBO's been kind of racking out Sex and the City. I mean, they've been racking out these shows that are appointment television for people for decades now. And that's what they want, whatever project they're doing next to be, especially since Game of Thrones for the last six or seven years was that appointment television type program what's interesting about this is Lindelof was very clear in making the point that he really didn't make this project to be something that was beyond one season he says there is absolutely a definitive end to this season that isn't super teasing something else to happen you know he kind of made a lot of losers and jokes to how Perhaps he kind of bungled the ending of Lost and how this is very different from that. I wonder what happens if this show becomes this massive, massive success. And do they come to him and say, hey, look, we need you to do a second season. Like, is he prepared to do that? He he didn't sound like that kind of person that was ready to do that when we heard him speak on Friday. Unless you guys had a different read on him. Um, No, I I agree. He didn't sound like someone that was... Well, I mean, he sounded like he was open to it. You know, he said if the people didn't want to see, that's what the people want to see, then we'll see what happens. Um, but he didn't sound like someone that had planned for it necessarily. Um, uh, but yeah, so I, 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 I'm also curious um, uh, with regards to the people's reaction because this is based. It's not. It's not. Not only is it based on the Watchmen book, it's a sequel to that. I'm wondering how much of this show is going to seem like, oh, well, you didn't read the book? Well, you're just gonna, not going to get, or watch the movie. Then you're just not going to get 30% or 40% of what's even going on. 
you know. Yeah. Um, I would argue if you, I mean, just from watching the pilot, if the pilot is any indication, you would love this show if you have not read the book. You can love the show, rather, if you have not read the book, in my opinion. Now, I think reading the book or watching the movie enhances your experience, but I don't think it's mandatory per se yet. Uh, we'll see how the story comes along and whether or not it becomes more mandatory. But in the beginning, I would say no. I don't know if you guys feel... Kendall, do you feel differently about that? Uh, No, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think this show would be on HBO. I don't think HBO would have picked it up if they didn't have that in mind. If they didn't, HBO didn't go to Lindelof and the showrunners and the creators and say, um, you have, you guys have to make this show, uh, that is, it's, you have to make it watchable for people that don't know what Watchmen is and have no interest in reading. And Lindelof said something to that point during the panel. You know, he said, we're making this for people. They, that, they hope that people that haven't read Watchmen will go back and want to read it, but that, you know, they do have those people in mind, you know. So like, um, I but it, it's I I also get the vibe that yeah, like you can enjoy this show without having seen it. Um, I definitely also feel like, um, you know, I I I feel like Watchmen when it comes to a season two, you know, I I, I get the sense that there is I think there will be a season two. I'd be shocked if there weren't. The question is just going to be, like, I also think it'll be a long time from now. Like, mm. Lindelof didn't sound like anybody that, like, like, oh, yeah, season two is in the works or it's in motion. Right. Like, I think, you know, <laughs> I think, like, if there's going to be a season two, it's going to be, like, two years from now. And um, HBO is not, not a stranger to that either. We've seen what they did with Curb, uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah. HBO is not afraid to say, okay, fine, you know, we can't, if we can't do that you know, season next season immediately we'll wait a year or two if that's what we need. And so that wouldn't surprise me at all. But I'm really excited for you guys to eventually check this show out. Uh, again, we love the first pilot episode. I'm sure the rest of the season will be strong. There's no guarantees, but um, it's it's it was a great panel. I was really excited to be there. Um, unfortunately, we were unable to make it to the uh, Runaways panel, which, as I said earlier in the show, is overlapping with uh, this um, this Watchmen panel, and that kind of was unfortunate because we've covered the runway panel the last two years in a row. We've done YouTube videos on it, and we had to make a very tough decision about what we were going to cover in that span, and we elected to stay with Watchmen because Watchmen is brand new. But uh, Runaways, so while we have nothing to take away from the actual panel that maybe you guys haven't actually read online, um, they did drop a trailer on the same day they had their panel, so we can discuss that. Uh, to me, this seemed like a very Nico-centric uh, arc that they're teasing this year. Though that, of course, could just be how they're presenting it so far. We did also get a very, very short cameo at the very end from our friends Cloak and Dagger from the ABC Freeform series as well. So I'll toss it to you, Kendall. Uh, did this trailer make you more excited or are you meh on season three for Runaways? Uh, I wouldn't say maybe more excited. You know, meh is kind of a. I don't say it's a strong word because it's not a strong word. It's <laughs> yeah, it's like literally like yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's a it's it's certainly uh, it's literally apathetic. You know, 
Yeah, it's really apathetic to, you know, the future of the runaways. But I, I would say, like, it it, it didn't exactly, it, it was, it's a short trailer, you know, so it didn't exactly move me, uh, you know, I, like, I feel like what they're introducing, what the, 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 the story that they're introducing in this trailer is not something that I felt was being, it was set up, but, like, they're the jump that I feel like I'm missing, mm. you know? Like, I feel like, I'm like, did I miss an episode at the mm. end? Or did I miss a scene? Because I'm like, they're, they're, you know, there's this woman that's like, who are you? They didn't explain. <laughs> and, um, so, I don't know. I Honestly, like, I would have felt a lot better had we gone to the panel. And I would have felt like I probably would have understood everything a whole hell of a lot more. But um, there must be, there must have been, like, a lot of, like, stuff that happened this over the, over the break that... I didn't like I wasn't following like castings and stuff and news coming out like the only thing I followed it must have been Cloak and Dagger because beyond that I don't know what the season uh, is largely I mean I know what it's about because I just saw the trailer but uh, I, a lot of it I don't know where it comes from yeah yeah sure I would I think I would also agree with Kendall that I was a little surprised by um, how much it seemed like they were just kind of jumping to stuff that really I didn't think was really fully established or plant seeds planted going into season two. As I said in my preview, it definitely seems like a very Nico centric season, uh, which is a little bit surprising. I felt the last season really was kind of delving us more into the uh, body switching aspect of the aliens coming from Carolina's planet, which they delve in. That's the other big part of the trailer. But it seems like, the, you know, the, the the number two or maybe even number one storyline is going to be kind of Nico's journey into whatever darkness we're going to be seeing her go through. For me, I, I didn't, it really didn't move the needle. And that's hard for me to say because I really do enjoy the show. I love this show. But um, I guess because we really didn't get that much from Nico, we did get a little bit where she kind of had to deal with the fact that, oh, I'm... I'm, I'm thinking about killing people, and or she might have actually killed. Right. She you know she killed Jonah, I guess. Uh, so like there, there was a little bit of it, but I just feel like it almost the 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 um the allusions to it were so you know faint and so like subtle that I was surprised that in a trailer you would go so full tilt, and you know maybe it's not their fault, but having kind of gone through this whole thing with Ra- Raven and Titans. I don't know if this is what I needed to see out of a trailer right. either. And, and it's the, and it's the first, it's the first trailer that we've seen. Yeah, like, yeah, the first footage we've seen at all. The first trailer that kind of hinted that this is what the story would be, and right. this is like the full tilt, like, oh well, yeah, we knew they were going in this direction. But like, we get the poster at Comic Con, and this trailer, and like, they just like, oh, the the Nico Darkness storyline. I'm like, oh really? <laughs> this is where we're going. Yeah, yeah. I mean. uh uh, the way I feel about this trailer is, I mean, it seems very much like a teaser kind of thing, you know. I mean, I don't know, I don't know if this is going to be the last trailer that we see before the show comes out. Um, uh, I am very excited to see Cloak and Dagger on the show. Uh, with regards to the story, I feel I feel similarly similarly to you guys. Um, I mean, I was not seeing a dark Niku. Niku. Uh, or Nico, Nico. Yeah, that's a new, that's a new, uh, it's a new angle, a new, uh, a new uh, way of pronouncing that name. 
Um, yeah, I did not see <laughs> a dark Nico, a dark <laughs> Nico storyline. <laughs> yeah, I apologize. Nico is a character from Star Wars Resistance. <laughs> Clearly, no, I watched that episode. Being solo character, yeah. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> I did not see a dark Nico uh, storyline coming on the horizon at all. Um, so it's very surprising to me. It's honestly not really something I'm looking forward to seeing. I feel like she kind of had a dark something or other storyline in the first season um, where she was kind of just being mean to Alex for like no reason and stuff. And now she's going to be like going crazy or something. I'm like, okay. I mean, I, I mean, look, it could be great. I don't know, but it's not exactly something that I'm very much looking forward to seeing. Um, and uh, with regards to the body snatching, I mean, that was hinted at and we're going to see more of that, um, which, uh, I mean, uh, I thought it was bizarre when it showed up last season, but I mean, we'll see where that goes. Um, but I am very, very excited for this Cloak and Dagger crossover. And I hope you get another trailer because this trailer, I feel like it, it didn't really show much. You know, it showed very little and what it did show wasn't was stuff that was mostly new and that we don't really understand yet. So, uh, uh, do, yeah. are we supposed? To, so, is was Nico's not the mole, right? It was supposed to be a mole, right? Um, yeah, they're our moles. I gotta remember who they are. Um, well, uh, one of the one of the kids. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, one of the kids is supposed to be a mole. I know. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, is his name Chase? Chase is no, not Chase. Um, uh. Uh, what's his name? Gert, Gert's uh, mom. Gert's Gert, mom is Gert, Yeah, the mom. That one, she's totally a mole. And Nico's mom. And Nico's mom. Yeah. Yeah, they're both definitely yeah. mole. So, yeah, so it's one of the kids uh, is a mole. I'm assuming it's not uh, Nico because how does Nico so go was, through? If they were just spoiling that or if there was another shoe to drop. I'm assuming there's another shoe to drop. I mean, I can't imagine Nico is a mole if she's going through all this stuff involving, you know. Because that that woman isn't the the other alien. I'm no, that woman seems to be something totally unrelated. Like, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm a little concerned that this story is kind of hint, you know, kind of has the potential to get very convoluted. Because like you said, we're introducing this woman at some point, along with we still have the aliens we're dealing with that are the parents. And I thought that we kind of they would play up a little bit more of the who done it aspect of the you know you know one of you guys a mole and we gotta figure out who it is like that they mentioned it but they really didn't play that up as much I was a little surprised by that um, yeah I mean the story was much simpler when it was just Jonah and uh, drama between the kids and the parents you know um, now it seems like a lot of you know, body snatching and uh, Nico darkness and we don't know really know what's going on. Um, I mean, we'll see what the situation is with the seat when they, I guess when they come out with another trailer, but, um, yeah, right now it's, it seems like it's, the show is completely turning into something else. Yes, it is. Um, again, Runaways has been very strong for two seasons. So while we've made it clear our, you know, trepidations with, uh, this, uh, season, um, at least what we've seen, it has been strong. So there's, so there's no reason to really be concerned about it, other than the fact that we've uh, we're not crazy about what they've introduced. I do think that uh, Nico being introduced in a um, in this, I mean, not Nico. I'm sorry. Uh, the run, uh, cloak and dagger being introduced through Nico does also make a lot of sense. I think that that's a 
a very smart way to introduce her because I would assume whatever Nico is going through and, and it seems like she's going to be going through different dimensions and realms I would imagine that uh, that Tyrone would feel you know effects in the universe if he's in Los Angeles and he has someone dealing with this kind of stuff um, so that seems like a smart way to introduce her them because we were kind of wondering how it would happen that makes sense to me uh, also, I think it is important to note because I didn't, um, I didn't hear when this happened. But the woman uh, Elizabeth Hurley, who's playing the woman we were talking about, who's getting introduced, that's Morgan Le Fay, by the way, which is uh, you know she's a big Marvel villain. Uh, I didn't hear that this. I didn't hear that Morgan Le Fay was going to be in this season. This is the first. Well, yeah, time that's what that's what I'm saying. I feel like there. I feel like there was stuff that I missed <laughs> over the. I don't uh, know how I missed this story over the break. You know, it just wasn't really... We didn't cover on this show. I mean, that's kind of big, so I can kind of see... It's probably one of those things where I think they assumed that the people that were watching knew that that was the thing. Because sometimes, like, there are trailers that we watch Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know... Like this one. Like, with Cloak and Dagger showing up. It wasn't the main part of it, but, like, if you didn't know about that, you'd be like, what the... Like, what? What is that? But for us, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, word. Yeah. You know? So, like, I think it was one of those deals. Yeah, and I, like... Morgan Le Fay is like a big enough Marvel villain to where like I you could make the case that it, like Kendall said, if you made the announcement that she was appearing in the show, that you really wouldn't need an introduction. I could see that. I still feel like adding Morgan is confu is not it can still be convoluted. It doesn't change the fact that I still can have concerns that you've kind of played up this alien thing, which to be honest, I kind of agree with Sham. I I don't know if we really need that anymore. Like, I kind of feel like uh you know, adding the body snatcher aspect to it kind of prolongs a story that I think we all were kind of done with. You know, to where maybe if you decide to go into Morgan Le Fay route and you lay the proper tea leaves for it in the last season, this feels a lot less jarring than what they're doing. But as we say that by saying we have not seen any episode. You know, I'm sure people who are at Comic Con got to see the first episode, so they have better a better idea of maybe how they're going to interweave these uh, these storylines. But um, I think we are a little concerned a little bit by what we saw based on um, the, the trail that they released. But we're going to watch nonetheless. We're both we're all big Watchmen fans. Uh, it'll be coming out on uh, Hulu, I believe, in December, I'm assuming. Usually it comes out in December. I don't know if they yep. released the date. Yep, December. Yep, so uh, so we'll be on uh, keeping our eyes out for that. Um, let's move on now, though. Let's talk about another trailer we got this week. That was Birds of Prey. Um you know, Birds of Prey. I don't know what to say about this movie, man. Um, you know, the the extended title is the you know Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. I, I don't know why they almost just call this a Harley Quinn movie. To be honest, I mean this is <laughs> this is what this is. I mistakenly that's called, what you called it. Called the yeah, when we were doing our pre production meeting, I mistakenly called it the Harley Quinn movie because that's just that's what it looks like. And as I said last week, or whenever we did our uh, talk on the on the poster which i thought was n- not good to say the least I, I just feel like this is such a missed opportunity with so many important dc characters that they're handling to kind of just uh let them be just completely overshadowed by uh, no a dc character who is extremely popular who is um i think easily one of their top 10 that's like easily top 10 one of their most popular characters and i think you could start to inch into that top six or seven probably with Harley Quinn at this point in time. 
But I, I mean, Bert, you know, to me, again, hunters matters. Black canary matters. Uh, there's a reason why the Birds of Prey, as a comic book series, has been going on for decades. I don't know why they needed Birds of Prey to tell a Harley Quinn story. Um, I don't know why they just didn't do a Harley Quinn movie. This movie, to me, this this movie has an identity crisis. Uh. And and then to speak of what was in the actual trailer, I gotta say, and I feel really bad because I was one of the people who thought they were gonna really do a great movie. I, I said that multiple times when there was the movie was being made and we started hearing about who's gonna be in it. But I just didn't take away anything from this trailer that got me excited. And that's I can't remember the last time I watched superhero trailer where I could say that, where I was like, nothing I saw from this is of any interest and it's a shame because I really was looking forward to this but I don't think they didn't really hit the humor that well uh I don't know what this trailer was going for I, again I, I just it seemed very like it didn't have a plan <laughs> like I don't know who cut the trailer but I, I I hope that there's you know some, someone with a better vision could have cut maybe a better trailer maybe there's a better movie in this but this trailer wasn't it for me man I don't know. What do you think, Shan? Um, the trailer itself, I thought was fine. Um, I think, I think it's just I'm surprised that the movie is so Harley Quinn centric. Yeah, I agree with you. It's basically a Harley Quinn movie. Um, you know, which uh, is not uh, what it's called. So it really should be Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey or yes. something along those lines. Absolutely. You know, um, so it's very uh, in, in that sense, it's very much false advertising. <laughs> I guess, in, in, in announcing uh, that they're making a Bolt Birds of Prey movie, you know, it's going to have Black Canary and Huntress and Harley Quinn, etc. And like, Shamari, so, why would they... And that's why it's so weird to me, because Harley Quinn is so popular, why wouldn't you just call it Harley Quinn? Like, it, it seems uh, weird. Like, if you wanted to tell a Harley Quinn story, and you wanted to include the Birds of Prey, you very easily could have made the title and, and promotion for the movie totally different. And I think ever I would have been fine with it. I would have been like, look, I wish we could have got a real Birds of Prey, but I mean, it's a Harley Quinn movie. They're not faking the funk with this. I mean, they went a long, long way of this movie only being just Birds of Prey. It wasn't until fairly recently that then they, they added the and the emancipation of one Harley Quinn, the fabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. That got added later on. Once we got the official script that was, uh, or the you know, uh, Margot Robbie posted the, the official script and what the title was. And, you know, and as we got closer and closer, the more we've seen, it's becoming more Harley Quinn-centric. Shamari, why wouldn't they just call it Harley Quinn? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, so I don't know why they wouldn't just do that. I agree. I feel like Harley Quinn's a big enough character at this point. Margot Robbie is popular enough as Harley Quinn. Where you can just, and I think, wasn't, weren't we hearing at one point that they were making a Harley Quinn movie? I feel like that was. I feel like this is it, which I did feel like yeah. we've kind of talked about before. But I don't know how you don't watch this trailer and think that this is the Harley Quinn movie where they were, they were promising us. I, I, I know they, they had Gotham City Sirens, they were discussing right. Birds of Prey, and then they, there was a Joker and Harley Quinn movie. Right. I feel like these have all kind of been combined on some level. Um, with just without any Joker, obviously, but Joker is being referenced. But um, yeah, I think they've all kind of been mashed into one. Like yeah, um, 
I mean, is, is Joker? Uh, so is Joker gonna? Because I thought they were still making the Joker and Harley Quinn movie. No, that's that, that's gone. That, I think. Oh, that's gone. Okay. So are we gonna <laughs> yeah, see? Are we gonna see what's his name's Joker anymore? Leto's Joker, or is that he guy, just done? That even more beats now. That's that's, that's dead Shit. in the water. That's, that's dead with Nightwing. That's dead with. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's I think nothing should be as Kendall's Kendall's been the no more guy on this on the show. I don't think anything that happened under Zack Snyder's watch should be assumed for the future. Um, Harley Quinn is the only. Harley Quinn and Wonder Woman as Gal Gadot is you know the only thing with a future that's solidified. Everything else that you see, Suicide Squad to some extent. Well, so this is a new Suicide Squad. I know a lot of the characters are the same, but it's I mean, a we, new we'll iteration. Take the first one's canon. We'll see. You. We'll see right. with the trailer. Yeah, we'll see know. what happens with that. But yeah. like, it's it's and nothing that nothing that you saw from anything from Zack Snyder's era of running things should be assumed uh, that they have a future. So. I don't know. I don't know what Leto's situation is. I don't know if DC's really even worked that out. I think they've kind of left it open ended. I don't, you know. I know I've heard Leto saying he's disappointed in DC, disappointed in what happened. And I mean, it's but, not like they're it's not like they're acting like he doesn't exist. I mean, she references him in the movie. Yeah, I mean that painting that oh, that you know fake you know drawing that she had of the Joker, it did kind of look like Leto, right? I couldn't remember. Yeah, it looked like Leto. And then we saw like those. Uh, we saw the what's the name? Oh, I'm looking at it now. It does. I don't know. It's it kind. I don't know. It, it, there are no face tattoos. To be fair, and face tattoos are a big deal in terms of Leto. But I do remember there was the uh, set photo, the, the leaked set photo that was out that had you know Margot running away from a house that it looked like there was a silhouette of the Joker in the window, and that Joker definitely looked like Leto. I don't think it's him, but I think that someone clearly was dressed as him to be looking ominously in the distance. So, and Harley, you know, does have still a lot of the same look from uh, from Suicide Squad. You know, she still has, you know, the tattoos. You know, you see her cut her hair in the trailer, but otherwise, you know, a lot of the look is still the uh, the same when it comes to her physical appearance. You know, she's wearing a lot, di- very different clothes, obviously. But otherwise, it's it's a lot of it's the same. Um, but Kendall, what what did you make of this trailer? Um, what did I make of this trailer? Like, look, I think it's it's a fun trailer. Like, I mean, look, if you're at Comic Con and you're into the Birds of Prey, uh, you know, kind of feature that they had, you know, whatever stamp in the area where they had all these all these birds of prey, you know, costumes and stuff. They played the trailer a million times, so I feel like I've seen it a million times. So it's 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 a fun trailer, you know, in terms of like, you know, it kind of you know, Harley Quinn kind of giving her spiel. But it's also kinda like you said, like for a movie that's called Birds of Prey, it, it is too heavily Harley Quinn centric for me to kind of, you know, buy this as the movie. Now, is 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 this the movie? I tend to think it is not. I tend to think that this trailer, this trailer to me, screamed this movie is like Deadpool two, like it's Harley like Deadpool two is Deadpool and like the X Force more or less. That this movie it feels like it's. Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, like Shamari said. Mm-hmm. But, the, like, 
if Deadpool 2 was called X-Force, I'd be like, yo, just call this a Deadpool movie. <laughs> right. Like, you know, like I would be like, that's that's disingenuous to not call it Deadpool. So that this trailer presents itself like it's Deadpool 2. I tend to think that this trailer was also egging it on because I think from a marketing standpoint, they they told themselves that the money is with Harley Quinn and nothing else. And I think they weren't giving themselves enough credit. Like, if you, if you tell a, I think people are more sophisticated to realize that, like, if you tell a good story in a trailer that looks interesting or you, you, you have a lot of interesting looking characters or some actresses and actors that people are fans of, they'll be invested in your movie. It's not just about one actor or one character or one actress or one character. Like, I understand Margot Robbie's important. Um, but, like, I mean, you have Hugh McGregor playing Black Mask. Uh, they did feature a little bit, but, um, like, I don't know. I think people would have been invest- more invested in this movie if they would have just featured the characters like they did in Suicide Squad. I understand Suicide Squad had Will Smith, but, like, nobody's, like, going to see a movie because of Joel Kinnaman. You know, I mean, Viola Davis is a pretty big actress. Um, but, like, I don't know. I, I just think the marketing, at least in this trailer, far too Hollywood-centric for a movie called Birds of Prey. Um, but I also think, like, doesn't mean it's going to be a bad movie. Could be a, could end up being a good movie, but I think this is just a marketing thing right now. Yeah, I mean... I, yeah, go ahead, Sean. I was going to say, I agree. I mean, I feel like I, I do think it's a marketing thing. Um, yeah, I feel like those characters are going to play a big role in the movie. I don't think Black Canary and Huntress are just not going to be in the movie. Right? They're going to be in the movie very, very briefly. I think they're going to play major roles, as is Ewan McGregor's Black Mask, who we did see and hear from briefly. Um, and I like what I'm hearing from him. I, he sounds like he's going to be a pretty crazy character, which Black Mask is. Yeah. So, um, so I do want to see him at some point put on a Black Mask. <laughs> um, but... Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think it's a lot of it is marketing right now, um, and uh, but yeah, I do I do think those other characters are going to play a significant role still. Yeah, I know. I I do feel like McGregor uh, showed himself well in this trailer. I would love to have seen more of him. I would love. I mean, I, I just think that the, all these other characters, I would love to see more out of. And it's not like you know, Marvel Robbie is really good as Harley Quinn. There's nothing wrong with what she's bringing to the table or the Harley Quinn character. I just there are other characters in this movie that are so important to the comic books and are not minor characters by any means. It just seems bizarre that they're all just being lumped into a Harley Quinn project that's not being called a Harley Quinn project. Like, I, I just, it just seems like a missed opportunity. Uh, but this is only a two minute trailer. There could very well be plenty of other content with these characters in the movie that we just didn't get to see. And they, you know, when you're doing a trailer, and you're trying to get eyeballs, and you were trying to get attention, I certainly would have expected a very Marvel Robbie-centric trailer. I just didn't know it'd be this much. I mean, this is a 90% Marvel Robbie, you know, Harley Quinn highlight reel trailer. I, I would have thought maybe we would have been more in the 70% range, 65% range. I mean, you don't learn anything about any of the other characters, which is kind of surprising when you're considering they're introducing almost all new characters outside of Harley Quinn. No other character. It's an ensemble movie. Yes, no. It's an ensemble movie, and no other character has appeared in any other DC movie besides Harley Quinn. So these are completely brand new characters, 
and we don't know anything more about them now than we did before this trailer started. To me, that's a failure. I don't, I don't, I don't see how you have a bird. You call the movie Birds of Prey. And I don't know anything about the Birds of Prey based on this trailer. I don't know anything about the Black Mask other than he looks like he runs some kind of club and he's definitely some kind of gangster. But I mean, I could have known that before watching this trailer. That's not new. It's it's. It, it, I think this trailer missed the mark. I gotta be honest, and I hope that the second trailer is better. But this one didn't do it for me. I, and I hope that in in future trailers and when we see this movie, uh, Harley Quinn is definitely gonna be the centerfold and the star. And I expect that, and I'm fine with that. But we gotta have more balance moving forward. Um, staying on the Harley Quinn DC angle of this, going now to Joker, which uh, we had, of course, our review um, on. That we did yesterday that is now posted on our uh, New Generation Podcast Network page, which is, of course, again, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Joker this weekend broke uh, box office records with a $96 million opening. That is a lot uh, for a rated R movie. That's a lot for a um, for a movie that had a lot of controversy around it, though I tend to think that that controversy probably helped buoy that number, in my opinion. Uh, but I'm here curious what you guys make of it. So, what do you think, guys? Joker just makes history as a as a with a $96 million opening. Sham? Look, I mean, uh, and I said on our Joker review, I, I thought Joaquin Phoenix's performance really carried this movie. Not that there were any bad performances, but his performance is so amazing. Uh, what he was able to do with this character, and uh, and also a guy give my uh, credit to Todd Phillips' uh, uh, directing and, and the um, the cinematography of the movie as well. I recently watched a video. Uh, is a variety because they have these videos where they talk with the directors um, on some of these movies. I watched the they did one with Juan for Aquaman, uh, so they did one with Phil, with Todd Phillips, and he was breaking down the whole like first scene of the movie which is a great scene. Every scene in this movie is great. <laughs> um, but the whole first scene of the movie is breaking down all its shots, uh, what was VFX, what wasn't, and why certain having certain angles was important, and etc. And I mean, the, the attention to detail, uh, from everything from the tone of the movie, the, the score of the movie, the and the performances given by Phoenix and, and the rest of the cast, it really is spectacular. I'm not surprised. You know, I'm hearing people saying they're going back for second, third, fourth viewings, um, which is not something you would expect from a movie like this. So it fourth really, really is Joker, a... you're a... you see that movie four times, you're a man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Can't like, y'all, I'm putting them on a terror watch list right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. I'm, I'm, you're, telling I'm people, telling people, <laughs> you're telling people to, to watch for the fire exits. Um, but yeah, so I, I look, man. This movie really is something special. So I'm, I'm not surprised at all. I, I have to give my credit where credit is due. Um, Kendall, yeah, what, yeah, do you, nah, what do you make of the opening? Yeah, yeah. This is uh, I mean, look. Part of me wants to be like impressed. I mean, and it is impressive. But you know, then the other part of you is like, well, I mean, look, it beat, it beat Venom. You know, <laughs> it should beat Venom. Um. And it just makes you wonder at the time that we're in, uh, in terms of like, like a big budget. I mean, I don't know what the budget of this movie is, but but a blockbuster, you know, you know, superhero movie. Like, is, is are those just automatically going to like 
break the record in October now. Um, I do think that, you know, it's still, the, the number is still unusual. And this is a movie that probably, like, you know, some people thought could do, could do 100, which would have been incredible. It almost got there. But, um, I, I mean, I guess, you know, we I mentioned this on the review, but, you know, does this open the door for Warner Brothers saying we got to do a sequel? Because we know Warner Brothers is a very uh, revenue box office driven movie studio. Which I think, to be fair, I think all movie studios are. I think what makes Warner Brothers different and and even when Fox was running Fox different from Marvel slash slash Disney is they seem to uh, pay a lot more closer attention to like whatever tea leaves are growing on the internet that people want to see. So when it's they want to see dark movies, we're going to make dark movies. And if we don't want dark movies, let's make them light movies. <laughs> like that, I think that the only difference is that they seem to be way more reactionary than Marvel. Like Marvel has a a blueprint that they stick to and they know no matter what they almost no matter what they do they're gonna get a certain number as long as they don't completely screw up where i think you know and, and i don't want to i just don't ask the reason why i'm saying that because i don't want to make it sound like you know, marvel also doesn't care greatly about box office numbers they do but i think that with the difference between these disney marvel and dcs i think dc having quite cracked the code so therefore they seem a lot more driven to uh taking liberties and making drastic changes in order to drive uh, box office numbers. Yeah, which, you know, it's kind of evident by the last conversation we had, where <laughs> I, I think they 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 made a a decision that probably was uh, that could potentially be dishonest to what the movie is to just completely market this as a Harley Quinn movie, whether or not that that is exactly what the movie is. I mean, if it is what the movie is, and then, then the the name is dishonest, but. Uh, if that's not what it is, which I don't think it is, then they felt like marketing Margot Robbie primarily and exclusively is what will make them the most money. But um, but no, yeah, this this movie did successful. It it had a it had a very solid marketing campaign. I don't think it was incredible, but I think it was kind of a movie that kind of sold itself. And word of mouth is the one that really carried this one. You know, once you have any superhero movie, but especially this character start getting the the Oscar conversation. It started very early, and um, that plus then the, the controversial aspect of this movie, it, it was it was kind of a, a perfect storm of why this was always going to be a success uh, commercially. Um, whether or not that that works for a sequel, or whether that works for other DC movies, we'll see. But I like again, though, it just it continues to it, to show that you know the 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 whole idea of superhero fatigue isn't not it's not there yet. You know, now this is a very different superhero movie, extremely high quality, something we really haven't seen before. So um, the question is, can this genre? And this industry continue to reinvent, reinvent itself. Um, we'll see with some of these next movies coming up how they do uh, in the box office. Yeah, I do think that uh, you're right that this certainly uh, 
throws a complete monkey wrench in the theory that, you know, superhero fatigue is on the way and on the horizon. Post game, nobody will go see a superhero movie again. Yeah, I mean, this is this makes it very clear uh, that there's still a thirst for these type of movies. Um, yeah, this is this was an impressive number. Um, I think this was a good marketing campaign. Uh, I don't think it was legendary by any means, but I thought that the visibility for this movie was out there for sure. I do think Kendall is right, though, in that I think what really drove home this number was the word of mouth about, first, how great the movie was. And I do think, again, the controversy. You know, people like to see a car crash, <laughs> and people like, to, people like to see a car crash, and people like to have hot takes. <laughs> we are in the hot take era, and I don't think, and, and we're in the FOMO era, where people don't want to have the feeling of being left out. So, uh, so I think that people wanted to see this movie partially because they heard about how great it was, but also because I think they wanted to have a feeling about whether or not this movie is indeed dangerous. <laughs> I, think, I, I really do. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I just the conversation on, online now is so heavy about this controversy that I still feel like in the very, very end, had Todd Phillips not opened his mouth, it wouldn't have been this crazy. But we are where we are now, and no question to me in my mind that people... Wanted to go and see what see it for themselves and have a take on whether or not it was dangerous or not dangerous, whether or not it truly lived up to the hype that it, it had. So, uh, in that sense, maybe Topfield was a genius <laughs> to because he because he I think he brought a good five or six extra million onto that box office number by opening his mouth and the controversies that's that's third because of this uh, this pushback that his movie was getting, but. Nonetheless, it's it's a great success for Warner Brothers in DC. This is, I mean, this is a, a more than a great success. I mean, this is a, I would argue, this is a grand slam. I mean, you do a Joker rated rated R movie, you drop it in October, and you do almost a hundred million on the first weekend. We're not talking. I know it's Joker and he's a Batman character, but we're not talking about a superhero. We're not talking about in the middle of July when the popcorn summer movie time is. You're talking about in August. I mean, excuse me, October, which is usually when it was most dead times for movies that we have in our in our months like literally i I mean besides february (laughs) uh, or maybe even march like like you know there are very few big movies that come out in october it's not a a destination uh uh release time and for them to do almost 100 million on a rated r movie that's insane that's a, a a massive win for dc and warner brothers and the whole company over there Deserve a ton of credit, uh, Todd Phillips and um, and Joaquin Phoenix. Deserve it. Uh, now I'm getting killed by hiccups here. Um, deserve a ton of credit. Um, it was a collective effort to bring that money home, and they got it done. I would be remiss not to mention uh, Martin Scorsese in this conversation because, real quickly, in the conversations about superhero movies, since his, this Joker movie was heavily influenced by. Martin Scorsese type films and you know early the early reporting was that he was going to have a producer credit that I don't think ended up happening but we do know Phillips had spoken to Scorsese and he consulted him on this film uh, Scorsese also laid some comments about uh, made some comments rather about what he thought about Marvel movies which um, he made very clear he was not a fan of he said quote uh, I don't see them I tried you know but that's not cinema. Honestly, the closest thing I can think I can think of them as well, maybe they are, with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances, is theme parks. It isn't cinema 
of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being. Um, this, of course, has led to the typical pushback from the fans of superhero fans, uh, and as well as the people who work at who worked at Marvel. So James Gunn has come out against him. Uh, Samuel Jackson said that you know basically. Uh, you know, he's got, I respect him. He's got, a, you know, I respect his opinion, but not everybody loves his movies either. Um, and then the last person we heard from, which was today, was Robert Downey Jr., who was on the Howard Stern show. And he said, uh, he basically thought it was ridiculous. Um, he said, I mean, the Marvel movies play in theaters. I appreciate his opinion. I think it's like anything where we all need uh, all different types of perspectives so we can move on and, uh, and meet in the middle, I believe he said. I don't know for some reason my computer lost a quote, but uh, but yeah, he essentially was like, um, you know, I'm on the Howard Stern show. Like, what we say that Howard Stern isn't radio because you don't like it. Like, it doesn't. He just didn't seem to really get it on any level. So, look, I'm not gonna take this bait anymore. I feel like we are at the point now where we are finding older gentlemen. Or not just gentlemen. There are women, too, who feel the same way. So I don't want to just make this a gender thing. But people who are from the more classic stylized filmmaking. Who I just think... You know, Robbie Downey says he doesn't think this. But I will say I disagree with him in that aspect. Is I think that they are just jealous of the money and success that's being driven into an industry. into their That's come into their industry that they're not ever going to see. Because they don't appreciate this art. And when you don't... When you envy something, you a lot of times want to speak bad about it, uh, speak ill about it. And that's what I think we're seeing from the likes of um, uh, Cameron, who, you know, who's made his comments about, uh, you know, superhero movies. And now we got Scorsese. And I think that these are gentlemen who just feel like, you know, for whatever reason, this these movies aren't for them. And because of that it's bad but i do kind of want to make a point that i've kind of been talking about for a while not on air but just in my conversations with people i feel like one of the worst things we have in our society now is people jumping to the rationale and the conclusion that because they don't like something it's therefore bad or that if they like if other people like something that they don't like those other people are stupid um i don't know why we've gotten to that point, I feel like we, I mean, maybe it's always been here, but I just feel like I see it more and more with everything now, where if you like this show, or oh, you're stupid, you don't like this, or you like this music artist, well, you're dumb, or you're whatever, and I, I just feel like we gotta end it. I, like, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of doing these stories of old curmudgeons not liking a certain art and therefore saying it's bad or not art. Like it's just, it's just nonsense to me. And it just speaks to um, a real hypocrisy uh, about what art is supposed to be. Art is a form of expression. Art is really whatever the artist intends it to be. And to just say, well, this is art and that's not art. And if you like that art, then you don't get cinema. It's just lame, man. It's just lame on every level. And I don't, I don't sit around saying, Oh, those Martin Scorsese movies are so damn boring. Like, (laughs) Like I, I don't. Mark Scorsese is a is an unbelievable filmmaker. I he I'm not someone who's going to be running to every single one of his movies because while I respect his art and his filmmaking because he's a genius, I, sometimes it's just not for me to watch all of those types of movies. Sometimes I do want to chill or I do have a certain affinity to certain other kinds of movies. 
I'm not going to sit here and say Martin Scorsese is bad or his movies are bad because I don't want to see this particular movie. It doesn't really, this movie doesn't fit what I want to do. It, it, like, it just seems to be a, a place where we are in our society where if, if you feel like you're being left out of something that everybody else is enjoying, it's your job to explain why you're not being left out and actually all those other people are wrong and you're the one right. Why not just be, like, I think it, it speaks to a level of insecurity in yourself. Like, it's okay to be like, yeah, I mean, people like Marvel movies. I don't really like it that much, but it's cool. Like, it, when you have these guys who were the, the kings of the kings in their industry who see now people doing Marvel movies and just smashing incredible box office records, records that they know they'll never see because they don't like this type of art, they're jealous. And, and, and that's, I think, the only way I can describe it to the point where I feel like moving forward, I don't really even want to cover these stories anymore because I just, I totally feel like it's just old man yells at cloud because they're not seeing the bag that these other younger filmmakers are seeing by doing these superhero movies. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm really tired of, I mean, we, and we love these movies. So of course we're going to be biased and, and we're going to defend those movies, defend the movies. But even you know, outside of that, say if they were to tell, talk, start talking crap about, I don't know, romantic comedies, their romantic comedies aren't cinema. I'd be like, well, why? Why do you think that? <laughs> you know, I'd be like, why do you think uh, that it's suddenly just it's it's not even cinema to the point where like you're not even going to acknowledge it as um, uh, as uh, as a, a movie because that's what all it is is a movie. You know, I mean, I I think it's just I I have to agree with Robert Downey in that if you're just if you're just talking what it is. It is cinema. <laughs> yeah, he's like, it literally gets played in movie theaters. Therefore, you know, it's, cinema. it's cinema. It is cinema. That's what it is. You know, you can't just say, no, it's not. Because it doesn't do the things that it has done in the past. It's like, no, like, it fills, fulfills the definition. Um, it's old and it's a two hours, a couple hours or whatever. Go to the movies, you buy your popcorn, you sit down, you watch it. It's a movie. It's cinema. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just, you know, people that either don't get it or they're tired of that or, or whatever, whatever. There's a lot of negativity. Uh, it's all from older, older people. I mean, you don't see any of this from, from younger people, um, younger directors. No, you don't, I, see, well, you don't I, see it at all. Well, yeah, you uh, don't see it from younger people in the industry, but I have, yeah, I have run into younger people though, who also say they don't say it's not cinema, but they say the same thing. Like, oh, I don't like those Marvel movies. Like, they, why is everything got to be a Marvel movie? Or why is everything got to be a superhero movie? And it's the same thing. That's why I spoke more to the level of it being about the feeling of being left out. I just feel like it's okay for things to be popular and you not, it not be for you. That's fine. Like, it's totally okay. There are plenty of great things that people enjoy that I will never enjoy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, Puppy Bowl. Puppy Bowl uh, and the weekend of the Super Bowl has all these different, you know, people who watch it every single year. Puppy Bowl is great. I'm glad for those people who love watching Puppy Bowl instead of seeing the Super Bowl. It's not for me. I'm not going to sit here and say Puppy Bowl is trash. <laughs> it, it is what it is. It's Puppy Bowl. I'm cool. It's, it's fine. You know, I, there are uh, a bunch of people who love cricket all around the world. It is especially in uh, in, in in the Caribbean and in Eastern uh, or, or no, South, Southeastern Asia. It is the number one sport, and that's cool. Cricket is you know these guys are athletic; they do awesome stuff. That's fine. I'm never gonna sit there and watch a cricket game or ever want to play cricket. 
I'm not gonna say cricket is trash. I'm not gonna say cricket is not a sport. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't understand the the need to when it's not something isn't for you, and it's popular for you to just bash it. I, I, but I I know why it's happening. I say again, I think it, it comes from a level a level of not feeling like you're being left out of something, and therefore you're the crazy one, and you're the one who's missing out. As opposed to you just being secure in yourself and saying, oh, that's not something I like, but that's okay. Like, you know, I don't watch Stranger Things. A lot of people say Stranger Things is great. That's cool. I, I wish I would. I'm sure maybe I'll give it a try one day. Or Lord of the Rings. I work and, and, and live in a in a nerd-type community that swears by Lord of the Rings. It wasn't for me. I tried. It was a little boring. But I'm not going to say Lord of the Rings is trash. Or Lord of the Rings, if you like Lord of the Rings and you don't understand... What it's like to be in this culture or whatever. Like, no, it, it just wasn't for me. And maybe it'll be for me in 10 years. Or maybe it'll be for me in five years when I watch it again or something. But it's okay for you not to like something. You don't have to go to the extra level of, well, it's actually dumb. And you're dumb for liking it. Like, it's it's a, a constant thing I'm seeing in our conversation in our lexicon repeatedly. And it, it's something that's driving me insane, Kendall. Yeah, I mean, what I'll say is this. I mean, look, Martin Scorsese has forgotten more about movies than I'll ever know. Um, And movie making and filmmaking and Hollywood and cinema. But I, I think these comments, like, I don't think that they are rooted in him not being... Look, obviously, he's not a super fan of Marvel movies. <laughs> Clearly. I don't, yeah, I think that goes without saying. I don't think there's rooted. I think he respects like the quality of like. I think he understands they're they're good stories. I just think that I don't know about that. He didn't give much respect <laughs> at all. In I mean, his, he said, in his he said something along the lines of you know as well made as they are. Yeah, so, I mean his comment. Yeah, to his credit, his comment didn't seem very mean spirited. It just yeah. seemed like it just seemed like he didn't he just, like he just doesn't get it. He's like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't consider it cinema, but I mean, they're no, nice stories. Yeah, I, I think it's more rooted in just him feeling that the style of movie that is being made, like, it's like someone that says that, like, yeah, I love video games, but I don't think esports is a sport, or I don't think golf is a sport. Doesn't mean Tiger Woods isn't a great golfer, but he's just not an athlete, you know. And it's like, you could say that that person doesn't respect golf golfers or tiger woods but you know that that's where i that's where i think this is where he's like this just is not a real movie you know like and i i would disagree with that statement just like i would disagree with somebody saying that a golfer isn't an athlete but um or someone saying that esports isn't a sport like i would disagree with those people but like that's what i think the conversation is less than it is him not necessarily understanding that they are that that they are like high quality or that they are good you know um so i don't know i mean again he but like, I also, I, it's something where i'd have to i'd have to really like if you were if you were a if you were my college professor and i was taking a class on movies and he told and he said this like i would ask him what he meant um and i like it's something where i feel like we need to like we need to have a sit down and like really really like hear what his point is about um 
like what he means by it's not cinema, like because again, I don't. I mean, think I, I think you guys are giving him a lot more rope than he deserves. I mean, he said he's pretty clear. I quote: "It isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being." I mean, that's pretty clear. You could either agree with it or disagree with it, but I don't think he was that ambiguous about what he meant. Now, I think it's that he, I think, it's, I think, it's, I think, it's insane. Like, it, it, it wasn't ambiguous more. about that. I mean, I have to pull up the whole quote again because I, I remember reading it, and I, I read it. I'm like, all right, well, at least it didn't sound like Cameron. Uh, I mean, that, that was honestly yeah, what I, yeah, like, what yeah, I heard at the time. Was like, I, think I mean, he wasn't. Yeah, he said he's like they're fine movies. Like, he said something like that. Like where he's like, listen, they're they're fine stories, but you know it's not cinema because blah blah blah. He went into this thing about why it's not. He doesn't think it's cinema, but you know. I mean, we made the case that the movie doesn't uh, isn't trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences. Uh, you can't say that and watch the end of Endgame or watch Civil War. You just can't say that. You can't say that, and you watch uh, uh, Winter Soldier. I mean, that speaks to, and that's another. That was the other thing I hate about what we also see too, is there are people who don't even watch the stuff or pay attention to stuff. Also, to comment on things that they know nothing about. I I would be shocked if Scorsese spent more than five hours watching Marvel movies. It, I, am I being? I think I'm being generous by giving him five hours. This is a man. This is a man. Five hours is low. Five hours is two. Is two. I he ain't watched more than two Marvel movies. No way. I'd be shocked if he hasn't seen. No way has Martin Scorsese watched two Marvel movies. I'll say that right here on the show. This is a man who makes. This is a man who makes millions and millions of dollars who can do whatever he wants in his life and never have anybody bothering him. You. He sounds like a man that's gonna be wasting his time looking at art that he doesn't think is art. He ain't watched no two Marvel movies ever. And that's also annoying to me because there are so many people, and I'm, I'm, make, I'm trying to make a broader point because I, it, it's, it's not limited to just this conversation. That's the thing, too. People just never watching or listening to music or watching a show or watching a movie or experiencing anything and, or maybe only experiencing it in a very, very shallow way and therefore feeling like they're an expert to make a very, very scolding hot take about something. Like... I'm sorry, Scorsese. If you haven't watched, the, I, I can give you a list of five or six movies you need to watch for Marvel movies, and then make that case to me that it's not emotional, psychological experiences being conveyed. If you're telling yeah, me that you watch all those movies and you can say that, well, then we can have a conversation. Because I would say I, I can't believe how you come to that, but at least we can discuss it. There's no. He says I I tried, uh, but yeah. I don't see them. I'm reading his quote. I'm giving you his direct quotes. So. Yeah, what's funny is that, like, he probably watched, like, Fantastic Four. He he probably didn't watch a Marvel movie. He probably watched Dark Phoenix or something. I tried to watch his Marvel joint Venom. It's so bad. There's just no story in it. I'm like, oh, yeah. Man, I watched Daredevil once. That Daredevil movie was tough to see through. Ben Affleck was being in it. I was hyped. I don't know why these kids like this stuff, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, it's, again, it's whatever. Um, Scorsese, I love Gangs of New York. Um, Raging Bull is a classic. Um, 
I haven't seen The Wolf of Wall Street yet, but I've heard that's great. I've heard The Irishman, which is why we even hearing from this guy. It's because he's on his press run for that movie. I heard it's also amazing. So yeah. I do want to stress saying that I have great respect for Martin Scorsese films and what he's done as a filmmaker, as I said at the top. But we just, I just think as a society, man, we just got to let people live. Just let them live. People want to go see Marvel movies and, and they want to spend all this money and give Disney billions and millions of dollars. Let them. Why do you have to feel emboldened because those millions aren't going into your pocket to say something is wrong or something isn't real? Like, I feel like it's a way of these men and women, because uh, I keep saying men, but it, the reason why I say men is because Cameron and Scorsese are two men that come to mind in my head. But I'm sure there are women filmmakers or women executives who feel the same way in Hollywood. I don't know why they feel the need to kind of overcompensate for what they've accomplished by bringing down something that's hot right now. I don't, I don't get it. It's like the, um, it, it's like when you have like in music when like a rapper, just an older rapper, just starts dissing like a younger rapper who's hot just purely because that guy's hot or woman is hot. It's just like you have accomplished so much and. You're a legend in its own right. Why are you are are are, are you are you smashing or are dissing other artists who are making unbelievable works that are inspiring people and entertaining people and connecting to people in a way that is clearly visceral? Otherwise, they wouldn't be making all this money. You might not get it, but I don't know how you say it's not cinema. The literal definition of cinema is Kendall, a theater where movies are shown for public entertainment. Or if you want to get another definition, is the production of movies as an art or industry. It just seems like like for someone who knows, you Kendall says he knows more than we. He's forgotten more than we ever know. We will ever know, and I will say that yes, he knows. He's forgotten times ten more than we will ever know about filmmaking. But I can read, and cinema theater yeah. where movies are shown is the definition of cinema. But again, so what the hell is he talking about? Think, but yeah, I think that's where it comes down to like his definition may be slightly different. Which is why we need that conversation because like. And definition like, you find in the dictionary. Like, I can look up the definition of a, like because I can look at the definition of a sport and it can line up exactly with what NASCAR is or exactly with what you know fighting games are. But someone might someone might look at that and be like that's disingenuous. Like you know, right. video yeah. games certainly aren't a sport. You know, and that becomes a debate. I am not a film major. I have so slowly, I, I have slowly, Kendall, just quickly or not slowly, quickly just glossed over five, four different title definitions for cinema, and it's pretty much all the same thing. A motion picture where right. that is played not, no, in a movie theater. I'm not saying So that I don't the, know what the hell his definition is, but it ain't the definition right. that a, a dictionary would I, have. I'm not saying that the, the standard Webster's definition, I'm saying, like, from a very more intricate, like, like, what what are the, the, the principles, what, what are the things that are in uh, cinema that, like, you know, would normally be there, you know, like, what are the factors that you need to be considered cinema? You know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what that is, because again, I'm not a film major, but Martin Scorsese certainly would have an idea, and I'm sure Kevin Feige would, and I'm sure George Lucas would, and I'm sure Matthew Vaughn would, you know, and that's the conversation that those types of people, uh, I would like to have a roundtable conversation yeah. where, where they can and all... Like- um, each right and like i mean i don't know he in his quote he compares it to like a theme park i mean well, it, he didn't really elaborate yeah I, he doesn't I, he doesn't elaborate 
I mean, it, I feel like he's he's trying to make a some kind of point. I don't think he's. I don't think he's. I'll put it this way. I don't think he's in the same lane as Cameron, where Cameron's just trying to destroy it. He's just saying this is nothing. Why is this popular? This is dumb. I don't think that's why he's saying this. I think, but I think he's saying that this. I think he is trying to say it's not like in the vein of movies that that I would consider quote unquote cinema, where it's like kind of high quality or whatever. Um, which I guess you can say is a diss, but I feel like he's trying to make some kind of other point about how the movies are almost like not even movies. It's like some other right, kind yeah. of entertainment, you know, which I, I don't necessarily agree with anyway, but I don't know. I, I just I feel like he's trying to make some kind of other point here that I just still don't really understand. So I, I kind of agree with Kendall on that. I would like to hear him elaborate because uh, he is a brilliant filmmaker. I love Martin Scorsese movies. I've seen The Wolf of Wall Street. It's spectacular. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, like, of course, this, this Irishman movie is coming out. Like, I don't think that these comments are as rooted in ignorance as EJ thinks they are. Yeah. But, I, but, I don't, I, but I also, for a guy that says, I tried to watch him and I, <laughs> I didn't like him, that, that does lend credence to the fact that, look, maybe you should have watched a little bit more. But, yeah. I don't know. Or just... If you didn't want to watch it anymore, just say, hey, I watched one and it wasn't for me. I didn't go back. To then yeah, make, really like to make, he tried to make an educated assumption about something he doesn't know anything about. That's what, that's what doesn't, that's what I don't understand. Is I would never sit there and make an educated assumption about something that I didn't really dive into. It doesn't make sense. Like, I, I mean, this is very, very off topic, but, um, <laughs> I'm going to make the connection anyway. But, like, you know, Steve Kerr in the NBA, who has been very outspoken about social issues uh, in our country, was asked about what's going on in China and Hong Kong. If you haven't been familiar, there's been a whole issue about um, the NBA possibly losing a lot of money from China because of comments made by uh, one of the the general managers of one of the teams saying that, you know, he supported Hong Kong and its protest against the government and and pro-Beijing government uh forces and steve Kerr was like i mean you know a lot of people have criticized him for saying this but he said that and i want to read up more on the topic and more about the situation before making a comment on it i don't feel comfortable talking about something i really haven't really been following up on and a lot of people criticize criticizing to say oh you're very quick to jump on trump or jump on race issues but now you don't want to speak out against people who actually are affecting your bottom line and i actually applaud him for it because it, it's, it speaks to something he doesn't know anything about, and he wants to learn more before really making a, a point. Now, he may make a case that you don't like and may be hypocritical, and you can inf- make it an inference that, well, maybe it's because the NBA is making all this money. But we haven't gotten to that point yet. Like, Scorsese never gets to the point of actually saying, yeah, I sat down and I watched uh, a couple of the, of the top movies people really enjoyed, and I have these criticisms about them. He just says, "Yeah, well, I tried to watch a, I tried to watch him. And I just stopped. I couldn't do it. And then I, I, this is not cinema. And it's like, it's like so callous the way he speaks about something that again a lot of people care about, a lot of people are connected to, and say that they don't make any psychological, emotional connections. I mean, that's a huge thing to say. Like that's not. That's why I think you guys are giving him too much of a pass. That's not small. I mean, they made a case that like again, I we were in. I was in a movie theater when I first watched Endgame and saw." people bawling in my movie theater watching the end of that movie. And you're going to tell me that that movie doesn't make psychological and emotional connections? 
That sounds like someone who doesn't know what the hell they're talking about, which is what I think is happening. So that's why I feel comfortable in speaking so um, confidently in my opposition to Scorsese's assertions that he just doesn't really know this medium. And he and I feel like a lot of this is just rooted in, in envy. And I, when I say envy, I know what you're saying, Sham, and that, yes, I do think Cameron had more of a sting and wanted more of an effect on what he said. I don't think Scorsese even knew this would be brought up. I think he probably was asked a question about it. And he just was like, oh, well, this is how I feel about it. And then I don't think he thought much of it. But that doesn't mean what he said wasn't stupid or wasn't or wasn't. I shouldn't say stupid. Wasn't clearly thought out and clearly researched or any work was done behind it. I don't think that that was the case. Um, but we should move on. We had a couple of stories before we quickly get to these show recaps. So uh, let's do a quick hit on this. because I don't want to spend too much time. But Nova, according to Jeremy Conrad, is set to appear in phase five. Sham, do you approve? Or do you do you even believe it? Because in the production meeting, you, you were questioning this. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely questioning this. I mean, we're talking about Phase 5. Phase 4 hasn't even started yet. So, no, nah, I'm definitely I'm definitely questioning it. That's like if we were in Phase 2 and and uh, someone was like, uh, uh, WandaVision coming to Disney+. Plus. It's like, what's Disney+. Plus? What are you even talking about? Uh, you know? the, the, the Lords of the Long Box are saying that we're getting... Firestar and Iceman, Spider-Man in Phase Six. <laughs> it's true. Look it up, people. Look it up. Shout out to Lords of the Longbox. Um, yeah, definitely shout out to Lords of the Longbox. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm very 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 skeptical. I mean, if this is true, I mean, I guess I guess I'm down for it. But I mean, it's so. I think that's something that's just on the whiteboard. But I, you know, I think I think uh, I think Geeks Worldwide. I think they may be. Uh, jumping the gun and, and claiming that this is like something that's quote unquote in development, which I don't know if that's what they said, but, or that this is definitely happening. Uh, I don't think this is on that level. Why you can though? Yeah. Nah, uh, Nova. I mean, I think this is happening, you know, well one, because it just, it, it, it's, it makes sense. You know, I trust the source obviously, but beyond the, the source aspect of this, um, phase five, like I feel like phase four has pretty much been announced at this point. Like I feel like we know it's the movies that have been announced, plus like you know maybe a Captain Marvel two, maybe not. Uh, but beyond that, and then Guardians hasn't been I guess officially announced. But beyond those movies, like and we those aren't even guaranteed to be in phase four, but um. But, like, we know we're getting Fantastic Four. We know we're getting Blade. We know we're getting some sort of X-Men story. Uh, I don't think those are going to be in Phase 4. So that's where I'm like, on some level, clearly they've already started their scheduling for Phase 5. They're planning for Phase 5. And uh, I feel like those plans include Nova, which makes sense. Because, like... One, I, I mean, I would do Sam Alexander as opposed to Rich, uh, Rich Ryder, but, um, you know, there are a lot of reasons why Nova would make would make sense, especially since you're not doing Green Lantern right now if you're DC. Uh, again, as far as we know. Um, so, yeah. And he's also somebody you can introduce in the Guardian. So, I'm going uh, to I'm, I'm say I'm buying this as true, and I think it's a good idea. 
depending on what they do. Um, I, I, I think that this is true. Uh, I believe it. One guy, I, I, some of the Kendall, I, I think Conrad has good sources in Marvel. If he's saying something is happening definitively, I think that means someone within the know told him this was happening. And uh, I say that because I kind of disagree with Sham that <clears throat> because it's in Phase Five, like like that's why you doubt it. I think that because Phase Four is is like so much set in stone. Like I mean, now at this point, like they should be thinking about what are the plans for Phase Five. Like the stories are set in stone, the actors are set in stone. Like a lot of that stuff is really well in well in development and we're not talking about like projects that are in the beginning stages like they know what they're they're gonna do so you should then be working on what's happening in phase five um we we, you know i expect them to have make start coming up with plans for fantastic four x-men we know black panther 2 is happening in phase five we know blade is happening in phase five like they gotta i would i don't i don't doubt what there's what what this recording is having that nova that would be Richard Ryder, which I agree, Ken. I think they missed an opportunity with Sam Alexander, but um, yeah, the Richard Ryder Nova is happening because it's just it, they this should be around the time where they're starting to put together plans for what is next after this do we, do we next know phase. That Richard Ryder? Did they say it was? Um, I believe they're saying. Oh, well, I'm reading this article from comicbook.movie.com that said it was Ryder. Uh, I don't. I don't. To be fair, I don't know if. Uh, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't see any said it was Ryder. But. Yeah. To be fair. Uh, yeah. I don't think that. I mean, I would say he's the 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 odds-on favorite, but you know, I don't think he should be. Personally, you know. right. So, but yeah, I mean, I think that it's um, I I think that this is definitely going to be happening because Marvel's going to be in their creative. They're working through their creative juices right now to come oh, up with what they're, they're in their creative bag. Yeah, they're in their creative bag right now. Like this is where they start. This is where Feige's on that whiteboard and saying who what characters are we using and what are we doing? What's the plan for this stuff? And they're making their decisions now. All the decisions for Phase Four are made, so they shouldn't really be worrying about that other than just putting those actions into into play. Um, but quickly, let's move on to Catwoman real quick. Uh. Apparently, Lupita Nyong'o, Tessa Thompson, and Alexander Shipp are among uh, the actresses in on the shortlist to play uh, Selena Kyle in the next B- the Batman movie. Um, also in that uh, in that listing is a uh, Logan Browning and uh, forgive me for my pronunciation here, uh, Juju Mbatha-Raw. I hope that's right from Beauty and the Beast. Sham. Any of these actresses. Uh, Pique your interest for Catwoman. Uh, Lupita for Catwoman would be crazy. Um, uh, so I, I mean, Lupita is such a fantastic actress. I mean, she just knocks every role she does out of the park. So, so I think that'll be really interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just really excited to see uh, this. Uh, this is for the Batman movie, right? Yeah. I'm just really excited to see this movie. <laughs> um, so all these, I'm fascinated by all the, all the, all the names that I'm hearing right now. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm really, really hyped for it. Kendall, what do you think of uh, the names we're hearing about Catwoman? Um, yeah, I mean, it, like, it definitely, you know, kind of confirms, you know, if this is true, then it confirms the idea that. Um, 
we are going to be getting a uh, a black Catwoman, which isn't a isn't a new concept. You know, we already had Halle Berry play Catwoman, so that's why I don't think this would be controversial. Um, and I mean, I don't I don't think it'd be controversial really, regardless. But uh, it'll be like normal, I should say, because we had Halle Berry uh, uh, already play the character and. Eartha Kitt in the 60s was Catwoman. Exactly. So, I, I mean, I think a lot of these actresses can play the role um, fine. Uh, I, a lot of it, I guess, will come down to if this is one of those deals where this is a audition type of role, then it come down to who they feel and they will have does have the best chemistry with Robert Pattinson you would imagine so I don't know but um, we'll see if this is legit or not we'll see if the character is even in the movie I mean we think she is but um, still a whole lot to be determined with this Batman movie in general so still wait and see but right now I, I think I lean Alexandra ship really as my I feel like Thompson, too for me is is too invested and ingrained in like Marvel and Creed, well particularly Marvel. But uh, whereas Ship is no longer Storm, so like so I don't know. I think that would, I think she would make more sense. Plus, she's a she's not as big a name as the other two. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's where I would lean. And for terms of those three that we're obviously more familiar with, uh, because of their prior track record in this industry. Um, I forgive the uh, my apologies to uh, the other actresses who were listed. But I feel like we're doing an open casting call, and Lupita Nyong'o is in that casting call. She ain't losing. I she to me she's like Black Thought in a black in a freestyle uh, battle or freestyle cipher. You know who the best verse is going to be from. The question is whether or not you want the person to be there. There is no I, I and like I I have great respect for all of these women, but. I feel like Lupita wants to be Catwoman and you're putting her up against anybody else. She's going to have the best performance. So in my opinion, I would say she's probably going to be the leader in the clubhouse. If that is what's happening. Um, it, unless, if it's more of just, we're kind of negotiating, we're just feeling people out. We're not really putting them against each other and you know, maybe money will matter and negotiations will matter. Then that's another story from my pure acting ability and performances from what we've seen in the past. And I think all these women are talented. I think Lupita is definitely got to be the favorite. Alexandra Strip is interesting to me because I feel like she's a name that I think people want to invest in as a, as a as a big kind of like one of the next big young actresses, especially black actresses. And I I don't know if she's really gotten that big role that's worked for her yet. Um, I think I thought Storm was supposed to be a breakout role for her, and it just wasn't. The movies didn't pop. Her character didn't pop. Um, and I think she's kind of been in other movies that didn't really jump off the way I think maybe we expected. The Aaliyah Lifetime series film was a, just a disaster. 
Um, so I think she's still kind of waiting for that moment. It would be cool if that did moment that moment did come with the uh, with this uh, casting as Catwoman. But I don't know if I've seen anything from her to make me suggest that she's right for the role yet. And that's not really anything that's her fault per se. It's more of just what we um, is more of just what we've seen from <clears throat> uh, the movie she's in, which really that's not any fault of her own. She's just given the scripts, and that's what, how the stories came out. But you know, I wouldn't go crazy if, if they picked her. But I don't know if I've seen enough to say that. She could definitely be a great, great Catwoman. I know what I'm getting from Lupita. I know what I'm getting from Tessa Thompson. I would feel a little more comfortable with them. But I would repeat by saying, if we're in a, if this is a acting cipher and Lupita Nyong'o is part of it, we know who's winning that. It's going to be Lupita. Anyway, quickly, let's do these uh, recaps of this uh, pilot of Batwoman and then Supergirl, who had a season premiere. Batwoman. Um, this was. Interesting. Uh, it was cool. It, it, it wasn't anything that really, uh, you know, blew me out the water in any way. Um, but I think it, this really, to me, more than anything, more than maybe other pilots, was really just trying to set the scene of just what this story is. Because um, when you come to Gotham City and you're doing a Batwoman show, the question has got to be, okay, where's Batman? What's going on? Why isn't he around? So I felt like a lot of this story had to kind of lay down the groundwork of all of that backstory and what's happening now that Batman isn't involved. And uh, and it had to also establish, you know, why Kate is the way she is and why she's the one who is fit to put on the cow. So I think in sometimes kind of in doing that, you end up kind of having to do a lot of exposition and a lot of explaining. And the story in the actual pilot or the, the conflict in the actual pilot kind of become just whatever. That's how I felt about this. You know, the villain, which ended up actually being someone who's super close to, obviously, Kate, in that she is her sister, who's her long-lost sister, who was never found by Batman. And once he couldn't save uh, her her and uh, and Kate's mother in a, you know, a car crash during a, a fight with the Joker, uh, I just thought that that was kind of crazy, that, that they had such a big carrot kind of hanging over them and I don't think they treated that character and that connection to Kate and her father with any real uh, urgency or importance it really was extremely extremely secondary and I know maybe some of that was for the effect of going to the end and showing that actually that's her sister but uh, I I didn't didn't, that, that was probably not the best move for me and I also kind of thought that she kind of found out way too easy, and I would like there have been a little bit more of a mystery behind that. Like, I just don't think that's something that like would happen. Is this person was missing all these years, and you know you had a charm that was the same, and therefore you knew, oh my god, that's my sister. Like, I know there wasn't a body found, but when you have when you have a situation where you have this like really terrible death happen. It just seemed a little weird that she took it at face value that my sister's absolutely alive and now she's a supervillain. So, uh, but I thought that Ruby Rose, in terms of whether or not, not a big question about whether or not she could carry her own show. So far, so good. I thought that she was she was pretty strong in this first episode, though I think we're going to wait to see more from her. Um, but yeah, I think that overall, I'm kind of waiting to kind of get those other 
Gotham elements. You know, no, nothing about this Gotham City was familiar at all, really. And that was probably one of the other disappointing aspects of it. I know Gotham, the show, was a little too heavy-handed with it. But this could have been in any other city that wasn't Gotham. The only... There was no real connection to it other than the bat signal. But that was it. There was no people that you would recognize, no themes that you'd recognize, everything. It could have been in Star City. It could have been anywhere. Coast City. It could have been anywhere. And um, so that's something I hope they work on. But it was entertaining. It was cool. I'll keep watching. Sham, what was your thoughts on Batwoman? Uh, I thought the pilot was okay. Um, I thought Ruby Rose was solid. Um, uh, She wasn't bad. I don't think. Uh, I think the story is developed. I mean, I guess the story is kind of moving along. Um, uh, we're getting is very much. It's so early in the introduction to the show. It's hard for me to really rate the show. But uh, the pilot itself, I thought it was okay. I mean, there wasn't like a whole lot of action. I mean, it had some. Some of it was good. Um, uh, ironically enough, I thought the action with with the uh, homegirl. Or X fighting some of those guys. I thought that was probably the best action in the episode. Yeah, I thought I thought it was good action also with Kate fighting the guys in the in like the hallway too. When she was going up into her yeah, sister's yeah, lair. Was, yeah. Um but, but the action was on, good in both both of those scenes. Yeah, they gotta work on getting her in the cowl and having her do all the stunts in the cowl. That's true. Cause yeah, her, gotta, I do agree. Her cowl fighting and movements were not good. That's an excellent point. Yeah, so they got to get the people from Arrow working on Black Canary and Speedy and them. They got to get them over to, <laughs> to, uh, to Batwoman uh, to, to work on some of that stuff. But so far, I thought it was okay. I mean, her story is, you know, it's a lot of CW drama, but I mean, you expect that. So I thought, I mean, you know, I thought Ruby Rose is okay. You know, I want to see, uh, get more into the character. And I want more characterization from her. Um, because right now the character is very, uh, is very uh, stoic, like super stoic. I don't know if the now the character may just be like that, but the her performance is super stoic. And it's like, okay, I feel I like Kate. I feel like Kate down. is pretty stoic in the comics. Um, I think it's they do in the comics they do a great job of really relaying that a lot of it comes from her upbringing in the military, mm-hmm. and. It's hard to really explain, like, because it seems like her father isn't nece- isn't necessarily a military man, though it does seem like she has tried to go through the route of the military in some aspect. Uh, it may not come across as clearly. Maybe that comes with more episodes. And this was a pilot, so we got to give them some, some leeway in that regard. I, I thought that the, the her take on Kate was pretty true, but... Again, if you don't know why she's so stoic, um, you won't really get it. And a lot of it comes from her father being a really cold dude. And I, I'll be honest, I thought the father was nothing like I recognized from reading Kate in you know Detective Comics, uh, Batman, you know in in the in the Rebirth. Uh, her father, and even the stuff I've read from him in the past, her father is way more. And maybe we'll get him like this, but he's way more cold, way more like. Uh, kind of like just very much like standoffish about how what she's doing is wrong and she's not she should that doesn't belong in this in this area and like a lot of stuff that's happened to her is her fault. This guy was a lot more loving, a lot more warm to her, even if he was still kind of a little standoffish. Um, and a lot of it did stem more from "I want to protect you," 
And in the comics, it's a little different. It's more about, like, you're just not good enough. And I wish we could have got a little more of that from him. He's definitely not a villain the way he is in the comics. Um, yeah, so I, that's, yeah, hopefully we get some of that as well. Um, so yeah, overall, I, I thought it was okay. So, I mean, I, I'm willing to keep watching, of course, but I mean, I do hope it gets better. Kendall, real quick. Uh, I thought, this was, I thought it was all right. You know, I, this was a pilot that for me, there are some pilots where you kind of hit the ground running a little bit, kind of like, you know, Watchmen. You know, if you've seen that, you'll understand. But, or Runaways. And you'll, you'll understand. What or Runaways. Yeah, or Runaways, exactly. Um, this one definitely feels more like it's going to be a while before we get to what we what we expect this show to be. Um, and it may, it may not be, like, five episodes, but, like, you know. Like you're not getting Batwoman really as Batwoman, like full on Batwoman in episode one. Um, I, I look the only thing that I that the, my only issue with the pilot, I, I know they they discussed her military background and she seems to have some sort of training, but I thought her getting in the suit and being like a, a, a top flight crime fighter with, like with no issues was a little. Uh, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, uh, inflict the term Mary Sue, but it, it seemed a little. It seemed a little easy. But I mean, I th- I thought the scene of her training with the Asian dude in the Arctic was enough for me to understand. I, I she's been was, doing yeah, this I, kind of training for a while, and she yeah, that was, yeah, that would be like you know, like I, I you know maybe I had to have paid more attention because clearly that was that was not the typical uh, you know private security training that's what i didn't get was like she was doing crazy stuff for like a like a, a you know private contractor job i'm like you're going way beyond the, the the requirements girl for wanting a private contractor job like you you, you know you probably could have just got to you know got a crunch or a uh or equinox you know um <laughs> uh equinox uh, uh uh membership you know just got to the gym a little bit and did some working out you would have been cool i don't think you need to be you know in the arctic you know waters trying to swim through you know frozen um frozen solid oceans like that seemed way too much for that job that she wanted that i think was more of the issue i had with her and her training so to speak and what it related to how it related to her being batwoman I just felt like it didn't make sense that she was doing all of that just to be, you know, a guy, you know, a guy with a, a woman with a badge and a gun. Like I, I, I think that that could have been anybody. Uh, I don't think that her, her ex lover went through any of that training. So why does she feel like she had to go through that? I guess maybe the story is well. This is a woman who could never be good enough for her father, so she was going through extreme means. But that's how I think that I was able to explain that for me was okay. Well, they. She, we, they showed that scene. They've kind of alluded. She alluded to like I've been training all over the world with various different crazy masters to be do this weird private contractor job. Which I'm like, that doesn't make sense. But okay, I see why they, she could then be Batwoman. Right, like she's got to be the best of them type thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fair. You know, I, I I didn't take as much from that. Uh, but yeah, but overall, I think the story was was fine. You know. I, the absence of, of 
Batman and Bruce Wayne is probably going to be a little annoying, assuming he's not going to be in the show. Which, again, is an assumption, because eventually we got Superman and Supergirl. But, like, if we're going to be talking about Bruce Wayne all the time, it's just going to be annoying to not, like, have him. It was annoying in Titans, you know? So, like, I don't know. Oh, we're going to get him. I'm actually convinced we'll get him. I feel like we have to get Bruce at least at some point. I don't know if we'll get Batman, like, full-on Batman tag team, but we have to at least get Bruce Wayne. Yeah, somehow he, somehow he's going to end up, like, reluctantly co-signing this stuff that Kate's doing. And he's going to show his face to do it, I think. That's my opinion. But I don't, I don't, I can't say for sure. But they, it, they name-dropped him way too much for, and to be fair, it's a pilot that you're trying to pitch to CW, so you're trying to get them to buy into a whole season. So I'm sure dropping Bruce Wayne, a name that's so recognizable like Bruce Wayne is going to help you. But I think also it's because he, he will play a role in this, I think. It may not be immediate, but he'll he'll show up in the season. I'll make that bold prediction. In the season? Yeah. I would be very surprised. That would be a pleasant surprise. I'm, I don't expect him to show up in the season either, but that would be a Yeah, it's a bold prediction. I, I, think he, I think he will. I think he definitely will within two, but I think that there's a good chance we'll see him at some point. Um, let's do Supergirl quickly, guys. Uh, Supergirl this week. Hmm. This was an interesting episode. Uh, Supergirl knows how to be very timely. Um, It's kind of crazy how they did this episode of the Catco buyout into, you know, by this corporation that wants to make their journalism into clickbait type stuff. And like a week after what just happened with uh, Sports Illustrated, if you're not familiar, Sports Illustrated just lost a bunch of... um, reporters that were all laid off because there was uh you know a company that came in and is looking at doing these blog based click based type content and you know and then you know it's well, obviously Supergirl didn't know that was going to happen but like that's just been a story that's been happening in journalism everywhere and it's become almost an epidemic and it's super sad as someone myself who works in uh the journalism industry but um so Supergirl infused that into their story it actually does make a lot of sense. It does work in a great deal because it's so realistic. It was kind of crazy how like James was running this very hard hitting like, you know, magazine when like that doesn't really exist anymore. <laughs> like it doesn't really <laughs> exist anymore. And so like it, it actually did make sense that eventually like the Grim Reaper is coming for everybody. As sad as that sounds. Um but it's true. It anybody for anybody who works in this industry so it only was a matter of time for the Grim Reaper would come for Catco with the way James was running it, which seemed even very different from how Cat uh, Grant was running it. So I, I um, so I, 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 while I think that the person running the show is seems way more evil than like overtly evil than like the people that normally do these takeovers where they give you a lot of more like PR and corporate bs like i kind of wish her character was a little less on the nose about how oh i know what i'm doing is evil but i don't care because i just want to make but i just want to wait i don't care i just want to make money fire you because we have a non-complete i have a non-complete clause in your contract i'm like first of all how does none of them know that i mean i guess oh no you know i'll say this you do know i think what was i think that was also one of the parts that annoyed me about this angle like i'm so into this because like as someone who is in this industry, working, that's in your industry, yeah. worked at a company who also had a merger. Now we haven't gone through any of the terrible things that this, you know, this company is. It's like this uh, portrayal is happening, but it's showing. But still, like I, I do know some of this stuff. So like the idea that she's like you're all under three new three year contracts. I'm like, 
When did that happen? Like when, yeah, they I they all signed really- they all signed three year contracts right before the merger. Like like and like, like are they part of like if they're a part of a union, then like I, I doubt they're unionized, and I think that I doubt they're unionized. But so then if they're not, then like wouldn't those all have to be on some level individually? And I almost feel like it would have been cool if like somehow like part, as part of Lena's scheme, like she did lock them into like. All new contracts, and then made this sale, and right? yeah, and like they didn't realize, they yeah, like there. that actually would have been really smart if, like, to show how like much she is trying to just ruin everyone who she feels has betrayed her. Who well, I'll get to her in a second, but that actually would have been a great angle to have been like, yo, you just signed me to a three year deal, and I you know a lot of these media deals come with non complete clauses, so that's just part of the game. But like, and then you sell the company, that seems kind of crazy, and the fact that she didn't. They didn't like explain that. That seems a little weird. That not only are you guys all there, but you all are all just so just coincidentally on new brand new three year contracts. It's like what? Like that's just seemed a little too much. Some of it was a little more goofy than it had to be. I do like that they're they're, they're approaching the topic of uh, what happens to companies like Catco who run magazines the way James is running it. I think that the consequences make sense. In terms of Lena's vendetta, I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not buying it so far. Um, I think it's, it's. I bought it initially, though I was a little surprised we were on to the, um, doing simulations where I'm killing Kara thing. Like that seemed a little darker than I expected it to go that quickly. bad Um, but then even after Kara does her, you know, saying I'm sorry, I was wrong, I should have told you, whatever, and then Lena just essentially just doesn't care. Uh, no, she pretends like she cared, but she actually doesn't care, and that you know now she's going to use this information against Supergirl and Kara. It just seems like I don't know. I I don't I can't buy into this heel turn the way they're they're pushing it right now. I just wish there was something Kara personally did to Lena that was way more damaging to Lena than just not telling her she was Supergirl. When I think Kara gave a pretty fair and honest and just rationale for why she did it not not necessarily and i say rationale but not necessarily rationalizing it but at least explaining it and yeah that's kind of it kind of undercut lena's vendetta for me when she just just says i don't care she still hurt me and i'm gonna hurt her back just because and it's like now you just come off as just like the person you don't come off like anything like the person you've shown yourself to be for the last four seasons so am i just watching a new character now like that was a little weak for me what do you think sham i clearly you feel uh similar yeah i do i mean it reminds me of when uh wasn't wasn't there i feel like there was a season that flash and cisco was just mad yeah, at barry yeah cisco was, was like that with his brother he did he wouldn't bring back his brother yeah i was that was getting on my nerves it's like that yeah where i'm just like can we end this already <laughs> you know so I was like, yeah, okay, you're mad at, at Kara. Are you going to get over it, or are you just going to be, like, off the show or something? Like, And I don't hope that doesn't happen. You know, I enjoyed – their relationship was something that I did enjoy. Same. In in this show. Um, so if they're just going to just gonna tank that, I would hope that it would be for something good, but this is not something good. So I'm not really enjoying the storyline. Um, I was hoping there would be there would be some more meat to it. Uh when they teased it at the end of last season, maybe Kara would continue lying or maybe she would kind of uh, do something else or something like that to make it worse. 
but no, she's just like, oh, we Luther, we Luthers don't forget. Which why is she now all of a sudden identifying as a Luther? Right, that's the whole thing that she was trying to avoid the that's entire time. She was trying to avoid. Now she's like, nah, I'm a Luther, Luther for life or something. It's like why? You just killed you. You just killed your brother. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't. You know, I don't know. So I'm I'm not feeling that storyline. Um, and this journalist lady is being super evil. She's being more evil than like Maxwell Lord even was. Like, <laughs> she's like just straight like I am evil. I'm gonna fire. I'm gonna make sure none of you work in journalism ever again if you try to leave. Like that's the you're, she's a horrible person. So it's really uh, so that's really shocking. <laughs> so hopefully, um, I don't know. Hopefully that goes someplace interesting. And uh, yeah, I mean we had a villain of the week. What was her name? Midnight or something. This, you know, you kind of your standard issue, kind of geo, geo mancer, whatever, geo force, whatever, but not geo force, but geo mancer, whatever, whatever that guy, the, the guy in the flash that was completely yeah, geo mancer, yeah. geo mancer. <laughs> you know, you had your typical like freak of the week, villain of the week type. Of yeah, it really, she really was only used to drive the story between John and his uh, brother. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really the only function of her. So. You know, that was what it was. Uh, this thing with John and his brother, that should be... I'm more. I'm honestly more interested in, in that. And Kara's new suit, which I do think is, is, is good. Um, I'm more interested in those than this whole Lena thing. So, um, so yeah. Hopefully hopefully those uh, go someplace good. Kenna, what'd you make of... Uh, uh, of it? Yeah, no. I thought, I thought this was a... Uh, this was a decent episode. I liked... Um, I, I I liked uh, the the angle with the, the new company or the the buyout of Catco, um, because it all it all made sense with with Lena's with with, with Lena's story obviously. Um, I, I do I agree that like I didn't what I did while I was watching the episode I was like I don't want this Kara thing to last this car i'm not gonna tell lena thing to last for like half a season like because we can't keep it was too they were hammering it home way too much to the point where i was like yeah like you have to do it this episode or the next or i'm gonna get tired of this real quick and they did it this episode to the point where i was like i was really i was really relieved but at the same time i'm also like if lena's just gonna stay evil or stay upset that also doesn't really make sense. So how can I... So, I don't know. I don't think they're going in the right direction. Um, I would have preferred, if I were writing this story, I would have done something along the lines of, like, she forgave her, and then Cara did something else to screw her over mm-hmm. that, then, like, threw her over the edge. Yeah. This doesn't really make sense. I mean, I get it, I guess, but it's just, like, psycho. That You know, like, has she always been, like, crazy? I mean, I don't think she has, but I don't know, maybe. But um, I don't think not. she. I don't think she's gone through enough to drive her to this. Like there was, some, we've seen her go through terrible heartache after heartache after heartache through these seasons to then come to this point where she's decided, no, I hate Kara, and my only thing now is to destroy her completely. I would understand, but we haven't gotten there yet. We haven't seen enough of that yet. So that's why this this doesn't feel earned what they're putting together. I hope they bail on it at some point, but and I don't think so. I think this is this is the main story. I think that she is the main antagonist for Kara for the majority of the season, which 
is what it is. But I, I do think that's where we're going. Yeah, I don't think it's for. I think it's only going to be a half season thing. Mm. Uh, I think, and didn't we like who, who was it? Leviathan with Tessmacher. Was that Tessmacher at the end of the episode? Yes, that was Tessmacher. Yeah, was it Leviathan? Oh yeah, we still got to deal with. Yeah, we still got to deal with that. So like, I feel like they'll be the ultimate villain, but uh, what that means, I'm not exactly sure because we still know nothing about them. But um, yeah, no, I mean Jimmy. Look, we know Jimmy's gonna be out of the show. Yes. The show. So well, he's out of a job now. So yeah, exactly. They're slowly but surely write him out. What that means, I don't know. Um, and then John Jones has some sort of uh, new Martian story. So. Yeah, Malefic, who uh, is yeah. the Martian Manhunter's arch nemesis. Yes, yeah, yeah, biggest villain. Yeah, so that's pretty cool that they have him in there. Uh, his intro today, this week, was a little weird. Um, it's like randomly breaking out phantom zone people <laughs> I, I think i want to you know i, I kind of need to learn more about it looks like we will learn a lot more about him next week in order for me to have a full take on him but it's cool that they're you know really bringing a true martian manhunter villain into the fold and i hope that this means we'll get more martian manhunter not necessarily john john since he's going up against his arch nemesis i mean that, that whole phantom zone stuff was very port Roz-esque. oh yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not not necessarily looking for that, but it seems like it's avenue. That's going to be the avenue they take to do their freak of the week thing. And it was interesting how you know Malefic was freeing people that John sent into the Phantom Zone, which I don't know when he would have done that or how he would have done that. That yeah. lost me a little bit. So Phantom Zone, you think Kryptonians, but that I mean is like why well, sent them there? I guess maybe he's been. His private eye work, he's been working with, you know, you knows to stop, I guess, you know, aliens are doing bad while he's been also trying to help aliens. Maybe that's where that's coming from. But I was a little confused by that. Uh, it also could be a little bit from what he was doing with DEO, too. Yeah, that's what that's what I was thinking. Yeah. But we're at two hours. I think that's a good place to wrap the show this week, guys. So thank you so much for listening to the back-to-back uh, episodes of New Generation Hero Talk if you need also listen to the Joker review that we did. Um, we really appreciate it. Uh, of course, be sure to check out our YouTube comment content on New Generation Media uh, at the, our channel, New Generation Media, where we have plenty of content from Comic-Con this week that's up already that will be going up throughout the week as well, so check that out. Of course, you can catch all of our podcasts on the New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. On social media, you can find us on Facebook, New Generation Media, on Twitter at New Generation Pod, and on Instagram at New Generation Podcast. You can find Shamari on Snapchat and Instagram, MCSham22. I'm on uh, Instagram, ActionEJ, and on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. We will be back next week with more Hero Talk. But for Shamari, for Kendall, I'm EJ. Peace.